You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are tuned into the Decoding Success Podcast on a very special day. Today is Thanksgiving, so the best way to kick this show off is to show my thanks, to show my gratitude toward you for being an avid listener of our show, or hey, maybe you are new here. It is your first time listening. Regardless, I am most definitely grateful for you, and I do want to say happy Thanksgiving to you, happy Thanksgiving to your loved ones, everyone in your circle, everyone around you. It is such an amazing day, and you want to know what you are an amazing individual for this reason right here and probably for many reasons but this one in particular standing out right now being that it's a holiday you could be literally be doing anything right you could be with your family you could be with your friends you might be in the gym right now you might be doing whatever you're doing but you are most definitely listening to this show this is coming through your headphones through your car through something in some way shape or form and you're not letting the holiday get in the way of your growth in this capacity, and I think that is an absolutely incredible, incredible characteristic that you have, and I wanted to make sure that it is pointed out because you should most definitely be patting yourself on the back. Sometimes we get in such a deep habit, like listening to podcasts, we don't even realize how ingrained and how great that characteristic is, and you're clearly embodying that right now and exemplifying that right now by listening to this podcast on Thanksgiving, and I just want to let that be known that you are freaking awesome for that. Now, you picked a great episode to listen to on this holiday because we're going to get deep here. We have an amazing individual joining us. She is ranked by Inc. Magazine as the number one of the top 27 female entrepreneurs changing the world. Yes, I said changing the world in 2017. Now we bring game changers on this show. You already know it, but we also have world changers on this show. She is also a top 40 millennial to follow in 2018. Today's guest is Jules Schroeder, who is a musician, a visionary on a mission to inspire people to create a life by their own design. With this vision in mind, Jules was able to create Unconventional Life, a Forbes column, and top-ranked podcast for entrepreneurs that features the stories of millennials living from this new paradigm. Unconventional Life has reached millions of people from over 75 different countries and has become a global community of like-minded entrepreneurs, influencers, creatives, and thought leaders. Like I said, we're getting deep on this episode and we're going to hop into that in just a little bit, but this wouldn't happen without our amazing partners. So I do want to express our gratitude toward them as well. And you want to know what? Listen, Black Friday's tomorrow. There are not deals all the time, except for when you listen to a podcast like this and our partners are always listening or always giving deals, I should say. So we're going to kick it off with Gen M. Now, personally, I've used Gen M. You've probably heard me say it once, twice, three, four, maybe a million times at this point. But if you are looking to grow your business and you don't necessarily want to hire a full-time employee, Gen M is the way to go. I'm telling you, I've been able to hire remote interns through Gen M that have helped me tackle numerous different tasks within my organization, 1B Branding here in New York City, my branding agency, and it has been an absolute game changer. The best part is, it is super effective and affordable. And when I say affordable, I'm talking less than $500 per quarter, and I'm talking actually less than $200 per quarter. I'm serious. If you are looking to grow your team, this is the way to do it. Now, you're going to be able to check Gen M out simply, and I want to make your life simple. I don't want to add 
add any task or extra steps, all you have to do is scroll to the show notes of this episode, click the link right next to where it says GenM, and you will be directed to their platform, which has a database of remote interns that range from skills, that range from locations to countries to platforms that they use to be able to get tasks done, such as like the Adobe Suite. If you want them to be good on WordPress or if you want them to be good at Google SEO, like you could literally refine your search to any and everything you want. And on top of that, Gen M is actually expanding. They are now looking to bring on more interns in different fields in business, which is absolutely incredible. So I highly suggest you getting grandfathered in to this platform, this program, ASAP. So big shout out to Gen M, super grateful for them and all of the deals that they're offering our amazing listeners. So again, make sure you check them out in the show notes of this episode. Now, secondly, and I hate to just say secondly, because this is a partner we've been rocking with for literally ever since the beginning of the show. And we are approaching our one year mark, which is really incredible. We'll get into that a little bit later. But you're listening to a podcast right now. One thing that you could also be doing is listening to an audiobook. And the best thing about audiobooks is when they're given to you for free. And that's exactly what we've done right here, right now with Audible. Audible is giving you the opportunity to claim a free trial no strings attached on their platform for 30 days, which will also include a totally complimentary audio book. This is an absolute no brainer. I just read The Alchemist and I'm saying to myself, I want to read it again, but I already started to dive into another book. So I'm going to find it on Audible. All of the time I am doing that. I'm reading the hard copy and then listening to the audio version. So it's like double ingrained in my mind. Definitely something to try out. But if you haven't tried out Audible or maybe you have, this is still a deal for you. I want you to head over to the show notes of this episode where you can also find a link like i said not trying to add any extra steps to your life or extra tasks to your life all you have to do is head over to the show notes click the link right next to where it says audible and you will be directed to a complimentary trial on their platform again no strings attached free 99 this is a 365 day a year black friday deal so make sure you are getting on it today while supplies last and with that said we bring to you today Jules Schroeder. Jules, first and foremost, thank you. Super excited to have you here. Really grateful to have you here and to amplify your message today. So thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. Looking forward to being here. Awesome. So first question for you straight off the bat is how do you personally define success? I love that question. So I, you know, for myself, uh, definitely climbed the roller coaster of success from a conventional perspective, went to college, but then also was running businesses at the time. So I started my first six-figure company at 18, seven-figure company at 22. And then at 24, I actually had a business partner, embezzle a bunch of money, $200,000 worth of debt overnight, and then kind of took a step back. And I was like, what am I really searching for? Like I was always going from one mountain peak to one mountain peak. But by the time I actually got there, I found that the goal that I had or the fulfillment that I would feel when I got there uh, had always changed because I was always on to the next thing. And so for me, I relate to success really as a feeling. You know, I think so many of us do so many things, yet those doings don't always relate to an actual gratification hit or even like a brain pattern wave that says, yeah, good job, or, you know, you can feel this or keep going. And so for me, success, I relate to it as a feeling of joy. I also define it as what makes you feel alive. 
And I think there's this aliveness, you know, a turn on almost that we can feel in our lives when things feel in alignment, when we are excited, when our, you know, our work matches, you know, also how we make money, uh, even if it doesn't, right, how these pieces come together. And so I see success very much in a holistic perspective, but really driven on feeling um, such that you can actually receive it. And so I'm always chasing, you know, what feels good and use that as a metric of how consistently can I feel joy? Can I feel aliveness? Can I feel excitement in my life? And for that, I find when those foundational components are there, all of the tangibles uh, get you know, met um, by proxy. So let me ask you, what is it that makes you feel alive today? I love that. So uh, in addition to hosting and creating this company, Unconventional Life, I'm also a musician and an artist. And so I find that art is one of the fastest ways to, you know, create feeling, to create emotion. And so I just did a 11 song album up in Canada. I was awarded a grant to go up there. And it's like final stages of mixing and mastering. But when I'm on stage, whether it's like, you know, in an intimate setting like the UN or, you know, a big like impact driven conference, or I'm just like in front of, we played a festival for a few thousand people last weekend for an Oktoberfest, like being on stage and getting to be in, you know, this feeling where the gifts are really coming through. It's almost like flow state. I also was a snowboarder for a long time, so I get it then. Um, but being in those moments where uh, I'm just allowing stuff to move through me, I get to be the conduit. Um, definitely drives that aliveness in me, whether that's in business or music or hosting the unconventional life events or podcasting or whatever it might be. Well, first and foremost, congratulations on the album. That is absolutely amazing. And to the point, you. Of, <laughs> you know, to the point of feeling alive, how do you find yourself staying on track to be able to achieve that? Right? Because oftentimes we can get off track, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but how do you find yourself staying on track to make sure like, okay, I am feeling joy in what I'm doing and, you know, feeling alive in the process as well. Yeah. So I think this is a question that most people don't usually want to interact with. <laughs> and I think how I relate to it in the sense that it actually takes a real discernment in saying no. And oftentimes, you know, we're in, a, in an environment where there's so much noise given to us, whether it's, you know, other people's input, whether it's just people that we're talking to, or whether you have a big idea inside of you and you say to someone else and they're like, there's no way that can happen, or like, there's no way that this can move. And so I find being able to, you know, have discernment in the noise and actually check in with yourself, like what feels good. And I remember I was hosting um, this five-day life and business accelerator at a safari reserve in South Africa um, a few years ago. It was one of our unconventional life events and I was on the plane ride home and it was like literally in paradise like this should have been it right the moment of like I should have had the most joy I had a, such a successful event I was staying in Cape Town overlooking the ocean I'm on the plane ride home yet I felt like something was so missing inside and on the plane I decided to rank everything I'm doing in my life on a one to ten scale like where do I actually spend my time from emails to meeting with friends to coffee dates to CrossFit to her Working out, like all the things. And I just looked at the list and I just gave it a one to 10 ranking. 10 being like total, um, I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, <laughs> total hell yes, we'll say that, full body yes or F yeah or fuck yeah, if I relate to that. And then one uh, being like not so interesting. And I found as I went down the list, there were only two things in my life that were giving me an 11, music and CrossFit. And the amount of time I was spending doing those things was maybe about 
10% of my overall time, yet all this other time was going to things that were sixes and sevens. And I looked at my life and I'm like, why don't I feel this 10 out of 10 excitement? It's because all of my time is being dedicated to sixes and sevens. And so it takes like a radical willingness to be like, okay, can I actually pivot that? Can I actually, if I'm in a relationship, you know, I actually just separated from my partner. Can I look at a relationship that's good, but if it's not fully aligned, am I willing to have the courage to do something about it? Am I willing to step up and say, God, this is really good, but it's not totally right. And in that, I find when you make those decisions and you say no or you pivot from those sixes and sevens to things that are more aligned, you're literally telling the universe, you're literally telling, you know, whatever you want to relate to it as, that like, yeah, I'm actually available for 10 out of 10. I'm not going to settle for what life has given me. I'm going to be the creator and the author of my life. And I'm going to stand for what I really, really want, not just something that's kind of good. And so I literally went through my life and like looked at business stuff, look at where I was spending time and really over a few months made those pivots. And lo and behold, I get this offer to come to Canada do an album. And I'm like, okay, so it looks like, you know, when you do make those pivots, I do believe the right opportunities that you really want for your life do start showing up, but only by practicing that muscle memory of looking at what sixes and sevens are and having the courage to actually do something about it. I love that. I absolutely love that. Listen, that's actionable advice right there. And to kind of piggyback off that, you know, you talked about checking in with yourself and you kind of gave us that, that rundown of how you did it right there. Do you have any daily practice or anything of that nature that helps you continuously check in with yourself on a more consistent basis? Yes. So I remember at the time, um, you know, like I said, I went to that business partner embezzlement and, you know, literally one month before I was skiing 26 mountains in four different countries in 30 days, like top of the world, running a 24 person company, Amazon book publishing. We figured out how to make books bestsellers in 2012 before Kindle was ever a thing. And literally over the course of eight months, you know, after the embezzlement, I lost all the things that were important to me relationships, uh, you know, even the drive, it was like, at first it was like, oh, something's not working. I should increase my workload to 12 hour days. Oh, it's still not working. I should do 14 hour days. Oh, it's still not working. Why don't I launch two more companies and then I can fix the problem. And I finally had this breaking point where I realized that more wasn't the answer. Not only was it not the answer, I was also working so much, like not getting very far. And I think many of us can relate to that. We spin our wheels and we don't actually make real progress in the way that we wanted. So at the time I had a hypothesis and I said, well, what if, you know, instead of doing more for 60 days, I just did nothing. Like I actually enrolled people in my life. I told people like what, you know, in my different companies and things that my only goal was to actually listen for what was a full body hell yes. Like what was a hell yes and what was a no. And I had a theory and I didn't actually relate to intuition, to listening to myself at the time or any of those components. But I had a theory that if I just said no to something that maybe I could then hear what that full bodied yes are. And we know these yeses in our life. It's like when someone's like, hey, you want to come on an all expense day trip to Mexico? You're like, uh, you're like, yes, you're not even thinking about it. It's like these call these yeses that call you forward. And so I said, well, if I'm thinking about if I should do something or a friend invites you out, you know, for the weekend and you're like, um, it could be good. Or if you go to a networking thing, well, maybe if I meet this person, it's like, those aren't those 10 out of 10 yeses. If you're having to stop and think, then it's just a no or not right now. And so for 40, for 60 days, I literally sat with that. And ironically, as I got more invitations, hey, Jules, want to come speak at this thing or want to collaborate on this? I just practiced 
no. And then finally on day 45 of that, I was able to start to actually sync up my action with what I was feeling and what I was knowing. And so to make this even more tangible, um, you don't have to take 60 days to do it. But those that are listening, you know, the practice that I do is like tune in every day and you all can try this for a week. At the end of the day, just reflect back on what are you saying yes to? And in the moment that you receive an invitation, is it this 10 out of 10 yes? Or is it kind of a, a maybe? Or is it like you're pausing to think about it? And can that just be a no or a not right now? And the more I've learned to just say it's okay to live in an and or a not right now, the more wisdom I've got on timing so that when I do launch something or when I do create something, it literally like catapults and takes off because the timing is dialed in. And so if you're, you know, listening to the show and you're like waging something right now on like, should I do this or should I do that in my life? Maybe it's personal, maybe it's business. If you can't get a clear read, just check it out that maybe it's a no or not right now. And if it does feel like that 10 out of 10, I follow that as alignment and honestly where the greatest fuel is any fire. And so just play with this for seven days, reflect back on it at the end of the day. And I will find that when you actually start saying no to not those full bodied yes and give them the permission for not right now, you will actually start to see more of your environment giving you those full body yes invitations. And so it's something I like playing with and <laughs> definitely a lot of fun and in practice. And like I said, it took 45 out of 60 days at first to start, but now it's become literally the core um, operating principle of how I make my decisions. So that's awesome. Now, let me ask you, is there something that you've really wanted to say yes to, but said no to instead? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> There's like totally a piece in, in, you know, I think it's like our brain and right what our, what our soul feels, our intuition feels, where oftentimes things can look good, especially on paper, they can seem good. But then if I check in a layer deeper, they don't always feel good. And, you know, case in point, I was invited to Dubai to speak this like all expense paid trip. And like at first it seemed like so exciting. It was going to be this entrepreneur event and whatever. And then as I sat with it, like more and more and more, it was like, God, like it should be the perfect yes. It should be that hell yes. But it wasn't. And so I have learned that if I don't feel that yes for myself, then I will say no to it. And um, it's definitely, you know, like from a logical perspective, sometimes it's like, wait, why, why would I not do that? And so I think many of us, it works the other way too, you know, where uh, you get this idea and you're like, man, I should go for it. And then the second you commit to it, your brain's like, here's the 10 reasons of why it won't work, why you'll fail, why you shouldn't do it, why it's scary. And um, case in point, I just actually bought my first home in the mountains of Colorado. And it's this huge retreat center. And like, I travel all the time and everything in me was like, what are you doing, Joel? Yeah, I kept getting these visions. It was like, no, this is the right thing to say yes to. And lo and behold, I bought the house and it's totally been the right thing. But sometimes I don't even know the answer of why until it reveals itself later on. So I do think it's possible to say yes to things um, that you don't always know the why logically and let those answers unfold. Just as I think it's okay to say no to things, even though logically it's right, but you feel it's off. And I just, you know, use that as a, a throttle button myself and definitely something that everyone tuning in, I recommend practicing as well. For sure. Now, let me ask you, Jules, who is Jules in high school and how did her definition of success back then differ or if it did differ and what caused that change? Yeah. So Jules was a rebel. <laughs> she was, uh, 
she was <laughs> she was a rebel. So if you were to fly on the wall with me, uh, so I grew up in Connecticut, oldest of five girls. Um, was I have a photographic memory, so I was in all like high honors classes, but I was also the girl who smoked cigarettes in the bathroom, <laughs> snuck out of her house at night, who totally um, I had these two two sides to myself, and a lot of it I think is was learning how like I had so much energy moving through me, but I didn't really have outlets for it. And I felt like I was so different than everyone else. But in high school, like that difference didn't really like, there was no place for it. Like it was kind of like you either, you know, were the mold or you weren't the mold. And my dad worked Wall Street in New York City. And so, you know, he ran our house very much like a boardroom. And I remember I'd come to my dad with different ideas. And instead of being like, oh, good job. Or like, yeah, go for it. He'd be like, uh, did you think about that? Uh, did you think about that? And within minutes, it would be every hole of why it wouldn't work. And so in a lot of ways, that mentality really shaped my thinking and how I've become an entrepreneur in the sense of looking at what's right with everything. I see where are the holes or where are the opportunities for things. And for anyone that's looking even to start a business or even looking, it's like a great place to look in your life. Like, where are the holes and is there something that excites you that you can plug there? So like simultaneously, I'm like total rebel, sneaking out the house, doing all this stuff. But then I'm also, you know, like uh, really passionate about like learning and really passionate, but more like hands on learning. Like I never brought my books home from school and, uh, you know, definitely was different. And then I went to college um, in Colorado. I was like anywhere but where I was on the East Coast and started snowboarding. And I think for me, I always had these dualities where I knew life could work different, but there weren't structures that I could point to that said it was okay. Like, I remember I wanted to go into music, yet my dad was like, no, that doesn't make money. There's no career for that. Only like top 5% get to like make it. And you look at today and it's like, you can totally make it on your own just with the power of internet and just with the power of whatever it is that you're creating, community building. And so this duality in myself was very much a theme where, you know, I wanted to follow my own path, yet there weren't examples of paths to follow. And so I would keep oscillating back and forth. Um, but lo and behold, the entrepreneurial you know, piece of me definitely won, if you will, and Unconventional Life ended up being a company that I birthed many, many years after a few other ones. But I would say that the version I hold of success uh, was the same, but I didn't have the permission for myself. And I think that's why podcasts like this and stories are so important because when we see other people who are doing it, whether it's just like us or maybe anyone that's tuning in, like even a little piece of it, it says something in yourself that's like, well, if she can do it or if he can do it, maybe I can do my small sliver of that. And I find the more we each get to do that, the more we actually start shaping our world. And now here we are and about to be in 2020 and it's like entrepreneurship, there's a million and one ways to make money in the world. When I graduated college in 2011, there was like <laughs> no ways. My dad was like, this is the worst decision ever. And it wasn't until like I started writing for Forbes eight years into my business journey that my dad was like, oh, my daughter is an entrepreneur who's kind of successful. <laughs> and so not everyone gets it. And I think that's why it's so important to really be able to come together. And I think in a lot of ways, we're in the wild, wild west right now. We are reshaping success because we are actively, each one of us is actively modeling the new version such that our kids and our kids' kids can be like, you know, unlimited permission in the nature of conversation. Um, I like think about, you know, this podcast, for example, Redefining Success and, and all of it. It's like, this will just be the norm and how great that we are actively, you know, pioneering it. And so, yeah, definitely uh, full circle <laughs> from high school to today. 
I love it. Now, you know, you mentioned something that really resonated with me on a super high level. You mentioned giving yourself permission. So I have to ask how, why, and when did you finally give yourself permission to live the life that you want to live? Yeah. So I actually had a near death experience uh, in 2015, a wakeboarding accident and was definitely a big athlete and full on like jump the wake, face planted. I was trying to rally with the boys that day and uh, yeah, definitely ate it. Um, but I remember I was coming out of the MRI in the hospital and this white figure came towards me, six black shadow council member conversation of Jules, you have more work to do in the world do you want to do it? And at the time they thought my neck was broken. They thought I might've been paralyzed. And I said, yes, as long as I don't come back as a vegetable. And literally in that next moment, I was zapped into my body. I felt this energy forge my neck back together and shoot down my spine. And the moment that I woke up, everything shifted. It was like life before being driven by me, life since very much coming through me. And I remember even a few weeks later, I get a call from the UN, the United Nations, and they're like, do you want to come be a global ambassador for education? And I'm like, it's not really the best time kind of in this neck brace. It's kind of shit kind of went down. Um, but it, it started this snowball for me, um, which then led me to be asked to come to Forbes 30 Under 30 and start the Unconventional Life podcast and eventually the Unconventional Life Business Accelerators and the whole thing. But it was something that happened from that accident. And I don't think those listening, you have to literally have a near-death experience to find that permission in yourself. But there was something for me, at least from that, that it was a distinct shift of it's not about me. And what I mean by that is that for a long time, I, I grappled with, am I good enough? Will I be able to say the right words? Is what I have to offer valuable? Like, you know, is there like, you know, like here's here I'm living my life. Is there something valuable in it? And there is a shift from like being able to let that go and actually say, well, you know what? I'm just the space that my gifts get to come through. And I think I view all of us, like we all have this hose that's hooked up to the sky and our gifts get to flow through in whichever expression that they might be. And oftentimes we have these little kinks in the hose that makes us feel stuck or we have these roadblocks or it feels like we can't find clarity. And when you allow your gifts to flow through and when you allow yourself to be a conduit, to be a space, I find permission inherently becomes possible because it's not so much about can Jules do it right? Is Jules the right one? It's like how good of a vessel can I build? How good of a ship can I build? How well can I take care of my body? How well can I fuel my brain? How well can I fuel myself such that I am the optimal space for these gifts to be delivered? And when, it, when I made that shift, which happened from that accident, it allowed a whole new ability for myself to be like, who cares like what I'm saying? Like, can I just trust that I'm saying exactly the right thing that needs to be said at exactly the right time because I'm the space for these gifts to come through rather than I better really memorize these lines and I really better perfect this. Or I really better, you know, on the I perspective, it comes more into the allowing perspective. And so for myself, I found that that was a huge shift um, for permission. And I think also for us listening, whether you relate to being, you know, a channel or, you know, that space or not, I think it's when you recognize the work you're being called to do, that feeling you feel when you go to bed at night or the thing you think about on your way to work, like that thing's real. And I imagine for listening, it's probably been getting louder and louder. And I find when things get louder in us, it's like, it's like time to move. And if you don't, it either, if it doesn't explode and doesn't get expressed out, it gets expressed back in. 
And so I just uh, recognized that and I, you know, I use those seeds, those wisdoms that we get to really be like, well, this is the wisdom I've gotten. And if I don't, you know, create the example for it, then that wisdom will go to someone else to be created and how beautiful like we get to, you know, like that you get to have that wisdom. And so I don't know, I don't want to go too far (laughs) into the woo level here, but I really do think becoming the space for something to exist rather than driving it to exist um, is a really big orientation point for myself. And, you know, one that's allowed me to kind of let some of those, um, you know, limiting beliefs and things kind of be more in the background. Yeah, I totally get it. And I remember when we connected last year, I literally think it was around this time last year when we connected and you told me that story. I mean, I have to ask you, what were you thinking like during that situation? Like you, you literally just mentioned that you had words when you saw those figures, like how does that even happen? It's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's like, so I've actually, I became fascinated with near death experiences after that. And I've talked to a few people that have also seen the council. And so the conversation isn't like, talking how we're talking now but it's more like a sensing like you're hearing but it's I don't know being communicated differently and um, you know for myself I remember my sister told me a few months after that she had actually felt this presence coming into the hospital room and she went to go get the doctor and that she was so scared that that was going to be the last time she was going to see me alive and like she told me that and I was like what (laughs) I was like you know crazy um but I don't think I was thinking, and I think what I can say is it was the most beautiful feeling I've ever felt. Like the most amount of I relate to it just as love, that like like experiential, like in my whole like body kind of love. Like it almost can bring me to tears sometimes when I think about it in the sense that like it had me, like I have no fear of death now. <laughs> and not only do I not have any fear of death now, it actually made it was like when I realized that that's on the other side, that's what's possible. In some ways, it's made being like a human being back in a body, like <laughs> not as, you know, as exciting where it's like when, when that level of love is possible for a while, it was actually hard for me to be back here because it was like I couldn't find anything here on earth. Um, that was quite of that magnitude of love. And, you know, I've since worked with that, um, but it was a really incredible experience. And if anything, I call it going home. <laughs> I look forward to my eventual return when my work here is done. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something where I look back and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what the, what was that? And um, yeah, so. That is, honestly, you, you beat me into my next question, to be honest. I was going to ask you, how do you feel about death? And the reason I was going to bring that up is because I've been tuning into Mike Tyson's new podcast rather often. And he shifted, I mean, listen, Mike Tyson, like of all people, freaking the best boxer in the world, literally shifted my mindset on death. And he didn't necessarily have a near-death experience, but he talks about the toad rather often. And I mean, yeah. I'm not... I'm not big on the toad. I've never tried it. I I don't know much about it other than what he talks about. And he talks about how beautiful death is. And that is exactly what shifted my mindset on it. Because I mean, there have definitely been times I'm like, fuck, like, am I having a heart attack after smoking a joint? You know, like, I was (laughs) scared, you know, I was legit scared. And after watching his podcast, and, and again, hearing it from you, it's just like, death is always looked at in a way that's not beautiful, but it is a beautiful thing. And what's to come after life, if life is this beautiful, right? How beautiful, I, we could just imagine how beautiful death is going to be, you know, once you have that shift. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. 
Absolutely. And I think in a lot of ways, like I hold a belief, especially after that experience, that everything we're living in our life, like it's already happened. Like we actually like had a moment before we came back into a body and it was like, cool. Okay. We're going to do these things. This is our work. I really believe each one of us has work that we've been assigned to do. And I also believe that we have the choice when, when we're complete, like I, I actually shifted how I think about, you know, tragic accidents or things that are unexplainable of why someone passes from like I had a cousin pass away heart stopped at 21 like last year like out of nowhere and it actually makes me feel like there's like this belief that like we really get to choose like yeah I'm complete it's not like we just get taken so I do think maybe that is possible too but we really have a, a choice in the matter and for those of us that are like struggling to figure out our way or like how do I how do I connect these dots I actually believe it's happened in another timeline and we're just remembering it happening and the, the fun is now figuring out the how and so for me it's created a whole new lightness and freedom um, of approaching death and also approaching life. Crazy, crazy. I could, I could literally <laughs> talk about for days, but I want to transition. So you were, you were mentioning rebellious jewels, right? And I, my next question to you was going to be al- along the lines of where does business come into your story, right? But being that you mentioned rebellion, um, I always find that rebels are great in business and you know you mentioned snowboarding and music as well so like what caused you to catch that entrepreneurial bug yeah so for me I always felt multi-passionate like I was a sponsored snowboarder a musician I love travel like I didn't feel like I could fit like everyone's like what are you going to be <laughs> what's your purpose in the world I'm like well I think I have multiple purposes because I'm a multifaceted being Yet I didn't have the experience of myself that, you know, I, I could do it. I didn't have the proof. So like, so oftentimes we have these internal knowings where we look at our life and we're like, but the proof isn't there. The money is not there. The business isn't there. The success in whatever way we're defining it isn't there. And so I remember being um, in Colorado. I was in an economics class. So I was 18 and this clipboard got passed around and it was want to make a bunch of money this summer, write your name and number down. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. I definitely don't want to go back to Connecticut. And what it was, was an internship teaching college students how to run their own business via house painting. So literally I would go around into the neighborhoods, drive my car and I would knock on doors. And the opening line was like, Hey, I'm this student at, you know, CU Boulder. (laughs) Can I paint your house? I'd love to give you a estimate. And I got really, really good at one, not getting the door slammed in my face, but two, being with people. And my conversions were so high to estimates. And I knew nothing about pain, nothing about business. But I was like, okay, if this is the thing that I need to get good at, right? If I can get the name and number, then that starts the whole thing. And I ended up booking $150,000 worth of work in three months knocking on doors and like broke a bunch of records. And at the time I'm also like coming back to the rebel in my flowy skirts, playing my hand drum around all these like super uptight, like business college kids. And people are like, who is this chick? Like she's like playing this drum yet. She's like crushing it yet. Like, like what? Like it didn't make sense. And uh, it was in those nuts and bolts that I actually started to get the validation externally that like, yeah, I do have what it takes. Like I can make it happen. And I wasn't so good at producing the painting. <laughs> we like put ladders through windows and oversprayed cars and fortunately had great homeowners who were awesome and everyone got taken care of. And it was definitely a learning process. But the next year I got invited back to teach students what I did the year before and 
Next thing I knew, I was running a $400,000 company at like the age of 19 and had like a little painting empire and then realized like, okay, paint isn't my highest excitement, but I do love the experience I get essentially of creating something from nothing. And when I look at business, that at the essence of it is what it is to me. It's literally having an idea seeing a vision, whether you're looking at the holes or whether it's something people are coming to you for in your life. Like my, my company after that was hair extensions. So we get feathers from fly fishing shops and wholesale them to salons. And like, that was a whole thing online that just like took off, but people would be coming to me saying, Jules, what are you doing? Like, can you put more feathers at my kid's birthday party? Can you come do this thing? And so I use these cues as like codes of like, can I create from nothing? And that bug has just been like living in me in, in anything, whether it's like in the businesses I created after, whether it's like, man, I got an idea for a song and like I wrote 11 songs in two months and then like produced it all. And like, you know, it was just like a whole thing of like creating from nothing. And so that's something that I always keep chasing. And it's also something too, where I find, I don't actually believe you arrive at success. Like it's a destination. I actually really think it's a process of experience. And so the moment that I'm like, cool, I've had success. It's almost the moment that I actually feel of like, ah, is there something new I can create? And I'm even in a place with my company now where, you know, we host these like really successful, you know, business accelerators. They sell out our next one's at an Island in Madagascar in December (laughs) for like 55 people. And like, so everything's like working great. Yet there's also this feeling of like, am I still creating from nothing? And now that, you know, that business runs really great. It's like, cool, what else can I create with from nothing? And that for me fuels um, not only success, but creativity. And even like buying my house and decorating it. I'm like, wow, this is fun. I'm getting like plants and I'm putting them on walls and like I'm creating walls from nothing. And so uh, I use that as my cue of, you know, of a business. And I find business just blends. It doesn't stay compartmentalized in my life. It actually blends with all of the intersections of my gifts in my life. And that for me is what actually gives me that, you know, that fulfillment or that success cue, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Now, you mentioned after year one of that painting business, you were asked to come back and teach whomever, you know, what you were doing to be successful. So what were the things that you were teaching? I was literally teaching college kids how to do what I did um, the year before. So I was teaching them how to go knock on doors, how to hire paint crews, how to communicate with homeowners, how to interact with it. So I was basically teaching them all to have their own little mini businesses. So I had, I think, eight students that all have their own businesses that had various degrees of success with it, uh, but really helping them like have their little painting business armies, if you will. I love it. Now, I, I know you mentioned multiple six and seven figure businesses. So what are the commonalities between them that you see, whether that's characteristics or traits within the business that have made them successful? Yeah. So there's not really, when I look, I'm like thinking about it, I'm like, are there commonalities? I think from industries, they're not. So it was painting to feather hair extensions from fly fishing to Amazon book publishing to entrepreneur coaching, I don't know, online funnel building agency thing, that was a whole cluster uh, into unconventional life, which is, you know, I think the combination of it. But I would say that what's made each one of them successful was the amount of excitement I felt in creating it. And I also think timing was a huge component of it. Like if I started unconventional life, 
like back in 2011, like no one would understand it. Now I use the word unconventional life. Everyone's like, yeah, I understand what unconventional life was. But even in 2016, when I was working with Forbes and they were like, hey, do you want to write for us? And I didn't really have even much blogging experience. And I was like, actually, I want to tell these stories about unconventional life. Like I had to really sell concept of unconventional life. And even my first, you know, I mean, I've done over 200 Forbes articles, but even the first batch of them, it was a very unknown concept. And now I think in a few years, like I might even be out of business because (laughs) unconventional life will just be life, right? Like it'll just be the commonality of what, what is. Um, But I would say that timing is a huge component. Same thing with the feather hair extension. Like it was definitely a trend that peaked um, and had its life cycle. And so I find how I relate to timing comes back to what we talked about earlier, which is deep listening and waiting for just that right moment. And even when I think about our unconventional life events, you know, like the one coming up in Madagascar, it's like waiting for just the right moment. Like we're actually taking people to a private island off of the main island, flying them in via helicopter. But that island didn't come available until we looked for eight months. And so I said no to eight months, just at the right timing for this opportunity to come in. And this like impact billionaire was like, I love what you're doing. Come to our island. And it was like, holy shit, this is epic. <laughs> but like, had I not waited, right, then it wouldn't have actually you know, shown up. And then boom, like it wouldn't have had you know, the success that it's having um, in terms of the event that's coming up. And so I think timing's huge. I also think that our gifts are a huge component of it. And I would say out of all the companies that I've run, Unconventional Life, the one that I run now, has actually been the one that I've received the most fulfillment from it because it's a place where I get to bring all of my gifts to the table at the same time. And I remember the first time, first event in Bali after I had this dream, day five, I just remember reflecting back, being like, wow, this is the first time I get to teach yoga. I get to play my ukulele, I get to jam on business, I get to connect people, and I'm in a gorgeous place in Bali, Indonesia. Like, holy crap, this is awesome. And it was the first time that all of my gifts got to be utilized in the thing that I was creating. And when I look at some of my other companies, there were components of my gifts that were in them, but it wasn't really the totality of them. And so if I can say like, and I would also say that Unconventional Life has been the most successful company that I've had, you know, in any of them, even though I've had a lot of success in these other companies. And so I guess I would just offer for anyone that's tuning in, like creating the space where all of your gifts get to be at the table is huge. And it doesn't mean they're all at the table all the time, but that they all do, you do get to find a home for all of your pieces of your self-expression. I find that's what creates sustainability, not only in yourself, but also in the world. And I also think the way businesses are being created these days, people can feel when there's congruency and when there's alignment in the founder, in the company. You think about some companies that you support or brands that you buy from, it's because you can feel the authenticity. You can feel the congruency and the messaging and their values. And I find that gets created starting with yourself, that congruency in your values, in yourself, and then letting that actually be the mirror that gets rippled out. And so, yeah, that's something I could offer as perspective that I've learned through all these years along the way. No, I definitely appreciate you sharing that perspective. So to that point, you know, I would love for you to share what you feel like your biggest business lesson has been. Yeah, biggest business lesson, um, has been, oh, there's been so many lessons, but I would say the biggest business lesson is, you know, really having clear agreements. I would say that the, and I know this is like a simple thing, but when I looked back at, you know, the embezzlement that happened when I was like 24, 
it was literally because we didn't have clear agreements that like I ended up going to like $200,000 worth of debt. And that happened just by nature of, even though we had operating agreements signed like legal agreements, there weren't clear agreements around like protocols around the accountant between all three of us as partners. There weren't clear protocols around checks and balances around that. And then even when I look at people that I've hired or, you know, contractors or people that I've partnered with, when stuff goes wrong, it's because there aren't clear agreements ahead of time of like, what are the roles? And not only what are the roles, but like, if shit hits the fan or when shit hits the fan, like, what are our protocols for doing it? How do we navigate conflict? How do we navigate when things come up? And I would say the ability to create tools to navigate difficult conversations has been something I've doubled down in, in my life. Like, whether it was like doing programs and personal development, like Landmark or I also become a facilitator in a thing called authentic relating and circling, which is just human communication stuff. But I found that learning and doubling down on conflict, you know, management tools, not even management, but just tools on how to communicate has made such a difference because it allows for clarity of agreement. And essentially, it's like when I felt something was off in the past, I didn't always go into it. It was like, uh, I don't want to take time or I don't want to make waves or I don't want to whatever. But I find that those instincts that you feel when something's off, like if I've learned anything, it's like you got to go right into the eye of where those things are, right into it and actually like cut through and be like, what is this? And, and that I find, you know, relates to clarity of agreements, but also like clarity of being able to talk about stuff or navigate conflict. And so um, being able to like have freedom in terms of difficult conversations or in terms of agreements, like say the shit that you think that you don't think you should say, like that skill, the more I've doubled down on that, the more I've just had so much ease in my relationships and foundations, which, you know, ultimately is allowed for more stability uh, and then growth on the other end. Yeah. See, like that, that's actually great advice that I feel like a lot of people do need to hear, including myself, because as you mentioned, it may be simple advice or, you know, I don't want to use the word basic because it's not basic. We oftentimes want to brush things like that under the rug because they seem smaller than the larger task. But that, I mean, that right there, your story, your experience proves as, you know, as a reason why you should always be on top of things like that. And I appreciate you sharing it. I mean, that that's really, really big. Now, Jules, you've given us a ton of advice. So I have to ask you, what is the best piece of advice you've been given and who gave it to you? Yeah, great question. So I'd say the best piece of advice that I've given uh, or been given um, was like, keep going bigger. And, and what I mean by that, it's so natural, even for myself, like the more that I stretch and the more that I grow, the more that all of my machinery and like a little voice in my head is like, no, 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 no. And then our subconscious actually manufactures things that make us small, that actually like has things where they're like, oh, all of a sudden you get really sick or all of a sudden like that client that was you thought was going to sign doesn't end up signing or whatever it is. And so I found that you know, oftentimes when I'm, I'm creating something, it's so easy to get fixated on the goal that's just in front of you. Like if you think about it, like a cascading mountain range, it's like you only see this mountain that's in front of you. Like I'll just take like one of our events, for example, like, okay, the goal is to sell out the event and 55 people, for example, this Madagascar event, right? And so then it's like, that's all I'm talking about. 
But if I'm only talking about that, then it's like, well, what happens beyond that? And what happens beyond that? And I ended up, uh, this woman, you know, who gave me this advice, like create this game called big fucking deal. Now what? <laughs> and it's literally something you can practice, but it's like, okay, cool. So you want to sell out this event on this beautiful island, have all these amazing people. Great. Big fucking deal. Now what? And then you actually get to say, well, actually, I want to create an empire that creates transformation for people to have radical self-expression from every country around the world. They can have freedom from wherever they've been. Okay, big fucking deal. Now what? And it allows by putting those layers. And for those listening, you guys can try this with a partner where one person just literally says big fucking deal. Now what? And then you share and then they'll ask you that question again. But it allows the perspective, the orientation, the focal point to shift from what are you so fixated on, right? The bigness, the significance of the goal you have in front of you to actually be like, well, what's beyond that? And what's beyond that? And I find when I'm reaching for something, if I shoot beyond where I'm going, if I'm talking about the whole range rather than just the mountain peak, it's not so hard or it doesn't feel so big to actually just get to that, that goal. It's actually like, whoa, look at all the stuff that's behind them. So the big fucking deal now, again, it's probably been one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten uh, recently. And also like to keep allowing the growth because I find, you know, notice where you are naturally or your subconscious naturally creates, you know, um, things to, to sabotage or to hold you back. So definitely you can try that on. For sure. So on the flip side of keep going bigger, what was a piece of advice that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but proved to be true over time? Yeah. So this was a piece of advice actually I got out of we hosted our unconventional life Bali event last year, like biggest event that we did oversold by 30 some spots. And it actually got too big for me in the sense that someone was like, Joel, actually, like, I think you need to come back to your roots. They're like, wow, you really like grown so much, but they were literally like, I think you need to strip all of this way. And it was almost like, it was like the short version was like, you need to humble yourself <laughs> was basically like what the short version was. And I remember hearing it at the time and I just, it got me so infuriated because it was like, do you not know like who I am? <laughs> like, of course it's about humility. And of course it's about like, you know, impact. And of course it's about all these things. But at the time, if I really tell the truth to myself, like I really did need to be humbled. Like this thing became this like whole production of what I thought should be the next evolution. And of course, like, I mean, it's experimenting, right? You learn things along the way, but I actually lost myself and my values and my integrity of myself in the process, even though it was a wildly successful, you know, quote unquote event from the outside, the people that really knew me closely were like, Joel, like, time to humble yourself a little bit. And it actually allowed me to go deeper such that like, I find sometimes we, we expand so much, but it's like, who are you? Who's the person on the outside, the public person? And then who's the person at home? And what, what is she like? And how do those two relate? And so I really have spent a lot more time cultivating that private identity, which in, in turn, I think has given me any, even more of a foundation now moving forward, but humbling yourself, um, not always the best advice here. It wasn't for me yet. I find it's actually created more depth and more connection and more vitality um, along the way. Yeah, it's a great, great reminder. Now, Jules, I want to respect your time. So I want to squeeze one last question out of you. If you could only be remembered for one thing, what would you want that one thing to be and why? I would want to be remembered for my light. And what I mean by that is like the way people feel in my presence. Like there's something like with, you know, certain people that we look up to or we admire and we think about them and it's just like, wow, that person feels so great. Or like, there's just this like light or this, you know, 
compassion about them or this life about them. And so my light, I would say, is what I would want to be remembered for and particularly how I make people feel that there's something that either I speak or a lyric that I sing or something that I have done that actually evokes something in someone that they're like, oh, like that evokes me to do whatever it might be. And that that brings you closer to to yourself and closer to your remembering of why you're here to begin with, right? What this whole game of the human experience is all about. And so uh, the feeling of, of what my presence brings and what it evokes is what I want to be remembered for. I love it. Listen, in full transparency, as corny as this may sound right now or cliche, I mean, you've definitely shined a light here and I appreciate all that you've provided us from all the value, experiences, insights, wisdom, all that good stuff. So I want to say thank you again, expressing my gratitude toward you. Now, where can people keep up with you on social? Where can they find the podcast, the events? I know you mentioned Madagascar a few times. Anything else you have going on? Yeah, awesome. So for those that like podcasts, which if you're listening to this awesome podcast, you probably do, you can search Unconventional Life on iTunes. We've got a couple hundred episodes and you can tune in there and listen to how I tell stories. Uh, We've got our Madagascar event, five-day business accelerator full of people in 75 different countries. You can go to unconventionallifeshow.com slash Madagascar. We're close to selling out, so we may or may not be sold out when this airs, but we do events twice a year. We've got Greece and Patagonia next year. And for those that connect to this conversation, Decoding Success, like Matt, thank you for bringing you know, this into the world. Um, I think it's such a relevant conversation. Um, I do that with music, and that's at JulesSchroeder.com, and you can listen to some of my songs and some of the songs that will be coming out from this new album as well. I love it. I'm going to make sure that all of those links are in the show notes just so it's a lot easier. And Jules, I just want to say thank you again. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Thanks so much, everyone. And there it is from Jules Schroeder herself. Now, I'm going to request that you express your gratitude, your thanks for Jules by hitting her up on social, by checking out her company pages. They're all linked in the show notes of this episode. So make sure you hit her up. She is very active on social media, so you will most definitely find her on the major platforms. Let her know that you heard her here on Decoding Success. And with that said, I do want to dive into a few of the amazing topics that we talked about here on this episode. Now, like I said in the beginning, we were getting deep in this episode and we definitely did. So the first point that I want to bring up is the fact that death is beautiful. You know, like life is beautiful, but oftentimes we fear death so much because we don't necessarily know what's on the other side of that turn or the other side of what we look at is like, We don't know, the unknown, right? And this point was actually drilled home, not only in this interview here with Jules, but while reading The Alchemist. That's an amazing book. I'm I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in the beginning of the show as well. And I just highly suggest being able to find ways to switch your mindset to that. It's not easy, right? Because we're leaving our loved ones, our loved ones are leaving us, so we look at it as not something that we want. It's not. But with that said, I highly suggest you trying to find ways to see the beauty in what is to come. Now, the second point I want to make is understanding that you are able to be multi-passionate. And this was like huge for me when discussing this with Jules, because at the end of the day, like 
society kind of tells you that you need to have one passion and that one passion needs to be your dream job, especially if you want to start a business. Like at the end of the day, I can't tell you how many things I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about sports, but no, I am not a professional athlete because I had two devastating injuries, right? I'm passionate about branding. I'm passionate about impacting. Like the list goes on. The list really goes on. So understanding that you can be multi-passionate is such a freaking win. It is huge because you don't have to fit into the whole societal definition of uh, being this passionate entrepreneur with only one passion. Like that's just not realistic in my terms. So definitely understand that you are more than likely able to have multiple passions and I don't want you to ever feel like you need to only have one. And I know this community that we have here isn't basic so I hope that you understand this and you're not trying to fit into societal demands or you know the norm the quote-unquote norm now point three is understanding that success is a process this hit home success is not necessarily like a point a going to point Z. It's not about that. It's more so about the entire journey. I can't tell you how many times I achieved my definition of success and then had to recalibrate it because I grew throughout the process, right? Throughout that process of getting from point A to point, let's say M. And then I look at it, I'm like, you know what? Like success is different now. I grew and we all grow. So just understand that success is not a oh my god like once i hit a million dollars i'm gonna be happy like it ain't about that it's about you getting to that million dollars and what happens over the course of that time that is what success is so to sum this up one last time the first point that really stood out to me was understanding that death is a beautiful thing it takes work it takes time but understand that it's it's really true and when you can have that mindset shift life changes it really does and listen i'm working on this on a daily basis this didn't happen for me overnight hearing it over and over and over again and hearing the different perspectives as to why people view it like that helped me open my mind, helped me understand the beauty within. So I highly suggest trying that and understanding it, you know, trying to get a grasp on that. I think it will really help a lot of individuals. Secondly, understand that you can have more than one passion. Again, we just talked about this. It is huge. Just make sure you have an understanding that you are allowed to be passionate, you know, with more than one thing. Number three, success is a process. It is not a, oh my God, once I get to point Z, that means I'm successful. No, like throughout the entire journey to get to point Z is what makes you successful. And understand that you, as you know, have the opportunity, have the power to define success your own way. It doesn't have to be society's way. So with that said, I wanna give a huge shout out to you again for tuning into this on Thanksgiving, or maybe you're listening to it a day or two after. Whatever the case is, I wanna make sure that you understand how grateful we are for your support shout out to all of our partners on this show gen m and audible if you're looking to scale your business make sure you check out gen m and if you're looking to optimize your net time i highly suggest checking out audible to take us up on our offer with them to get a completely free audiobook of your choice now happy thanksgiving everyone wishing you all the best until next time peace